0: Amen. You know what? Um, Every week I get to be in multiple different churches and settings and uh, a good pastor is a gift from the Lord and the Lord has given this church a great pastor. I love your pastor. And uh, it's a joy to be here uh, at the invitation of Gloria and the missions committee. And we are so thankful for them as well. Can we give the Lord a hand for Gloria and her leadership and the missions committee? Uh, What an honor it is to be here. And as pastor said, I talk fast, so you gotta listen fast, all right? Uh, but I'll make a deal with you. I made the same deal with the first service. Um, I'm one of those preachers. I love amens, I love praise the Lord's, I love hallelujah's, so I'm gonna make a deal with you first, list for every amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I hear, I'm gonna take 30 seconds off the sermon, how about that? All right, there you go, I love it. If you got your copy of God's Word, and I hope that you do, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians is right after First Corinthians. Does that help anybody? Yeah, and I wanna tell you as a, on behalf of the convention, we are so thankful for your partnership in the gospel and your giving to the cooperative program. Thank you so much for that. At the permission of your pastor and, the, and Gloria and the missions committee, uh, I wanted to be able to share something to you, a project that I've been working on. Uh, let me ask you this, how many of you have ever heard these phrases before, these cliches? Have you ever heard this cliche before? Follow your heart. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that before. Uh, What about this one? God won't give you more than you can handle. How many of you have ever heard that before? What about this one? When a loved one dies, God gains another angel. Anybody ever heard that before? Yeah, what if those are not biblical statements? What if they're actually lies that hold you back in your walk with the Lord? So I've written a book called Nine Common Lies That Christians Believe and it will launch in February. But as a free gift to you, do you like free things? As a free gift to you, um, if you will pull out your cell phone, out, get out your smartphone, everybody, and keep it out, we're gonna do something at the end with it as well. If you will text my name, Shane, just S-H-A-N-E, put that in the body of the text, and text it to this number, 444-999, follow the response you get back, you can read the first chapter of the book right now for free, download it on your phone. And that chapter deals with the cliche, God won't give you more than you can handle. What does the Bible actually say about that? So if you'll take advantage of that, I'd love for you to read it. Uh, there's an option on there where you can pre-order the book. And if you do that and send me an email, I'm about to give you all my personal email. If you send an email to contact at and just say, hey, I just pre-ordered your book. I'll send you a link where you can get a free Christmas ornament. Now, how many of you will admit you already have your Christmas tree up? Anybody? I do. I've been listening to Christmas music since September. All right, I'll confess my sins. All right, Uh, we'll send you a free Christmas ornament that you can have now. All right, now on to more important things. We're gonna talk about God's word. Are you glad to be here this morning? Awesome, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you got to see me this morning. Why don't you tell him that? Awesome. If you have your bulletin that you received on the way in, would you get that out? If you'll get something to write on, I'm gonna give you three things that God has given every Christian today. If you're here today and you say, I am a Christian, I am a child of God, God's given you three things. And I want you to write down these three things today, and I believe it'll be an encouragement to you in the days and weeks and months, years to come, that these three things are actually the purpose of your life. The reason you're alive today is because of these three things. And I wanna give those to you. But to start with them, we're gonna start with the gospel. Are you thankful of the gospel of Jesus Christ? I want you to see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If you're there, say, uh-huh. uh-huh. Now turn to your neighbor and say, pay attention. Tell them that. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 is really describing the gospel. It's a beautiful picture. The apostle Paul writes this to the church in Corinth and he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Anybody happy about that? says the old is passed away, behold, the new has come. Has anybody glad that the new has come? Anybody happy about that? Anybody happy about being a new creation? Anybody have some things? In their past that they're not proud of? Have you ever had to say the word oops before? You ever had to say, my bad? (laughs) You ever had to say, I probably shouldn't have put that on Facebook? Anybody? (laughs) That the old has passed away. Why is that important? Because we are all born sinners. No one is born a Christian. We are born sinners separated from God. And what do sinners do? Sinners sin. We're good at sinning. There's something wrong with us. What is it, sin? How many of you would say that this morning? Preacher, there's something wrong with me. Anybody wanna admit that this morning? What is it, it's sin. How many of you are sitting next to someone? There's definitely something wrong with that person. What is it? It's sin. But here's the good news, is that there's a savior named Jesus who is greater than sin. And he is more powerful than sin and that he lived the perfect life that you and I could not live. He took our place on the cross. He was buried, three days later, he busted out of the grave, showing that he had conquered sin. And he made the way possible to know God again. That if we turn from sin and turn to a savior named Jesus, we place our faith in him, he places his Holy Spirit in us, making us the church. And when the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of us, hear me, it changes who we are. We were lost, met Jesus, now we're found. Anybody happy about that? Yeah. We were orphans, met Jesus, now we are children of the Most High God. Yeah. We were dead, met Jesus, now we're alive, to never die again. Are we happy about that? And when we meet Jesus, he makes us a new creature in Christ. It means this, our past no longer defines us. Because you're a new creature in Christ, you are called now to declare the glory of God. But there's an enemy named Satan. And one of the greatest tools he'll use against you to keep you from declaring the glory of God is your past. How many of you have ever felt like God can't use you anymore because of your past, that you made some mistake? And the enemy will tell you that. He's always good at bringing up your past. He'll say, hey, remember how you did this? God can't use you. Remember how you did this? The church doesn't need you. Remember how you did this? God doesn't care about you. Hey, this one's for free this morning. It wasn't even in my notes. The next time Satan brings up your past, bring up his future, he is defeated, and you have victory in Christ. You are a new creature in Christ. And because of that, he's called you to some things. See, we always talk about the gospel of Jesus saves us from things. We'll say saves us from sin, Saves us from hell, that's all true. But the gospel of Jesus saves us to some things saves us to a kingdom, saves us to a mission, saves us to a purpose to declare the glory of God with our life. Jesus doesn't save you to just make you fat and happy, He saves you to use you. And as long as there is life and breath in your lungs, we just pray, we just sing this. He's not done with you, and He wants to use you and I wanna give you three things he's given you today because you're a new creature in Christ. So if you're in the sermon titles, I want you to just write that down. Just put, because I'm a new creation in Christ, just put that, because I'm a new creation in Christ, and I'm gonna give you three things because of that because. Look at verse 18. If you're still with me, say, "Uh Uh uh-huh. Look at verse 18, it says, all of this is from God. Well, what is the gospel that we just shared? All of this is from God who through Christ Reconciled us to himself, meaning we were far off from God, but because of the gospel, he brought us near. Look at this. Reconciled us to himself and gave us, turn to your neighbor and say, gave you. Gave Gave us the what? You read it for yourself. What did he give us? The ministry of reconciliation. Number one, write that down. Because you're a new creation in Christ, number one, he's given you a ministry. Every single one of you are called to ministry. I want us to do a visual picture of this. First, Ulysses, if you're here this morning with boldness, if you say, I have been bought by the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me, I want you to raise your hand with boldness and say, I am saved. I want you to say that. Now, leave your hand up, leave your hand up. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave your hand up if God's called you to ministry. Uh Uh-oh, all right, I'm gonna give you a hint first, Ulysses, all right, leave your hand up. No matter what you do, do not put it down. Turn to your neighbor and say, leave your hand up. Tell them that. All right, right. raise your hand if you know without a doubt you're a child of God, all right. Now, leave your hand up if God's called you to ministry. Now, I want you to look around at all these people called to ministry. Leave your hand up if you're a missionary. Look at all these missionaries. I want you to write this down. If you're a Christian, you are a missionary. If you're a Christian, you are called to ministry. Now see, the way that we often set it up in the United States, and the way we set up church in the United States is often like this. Now, not this church, but most churches in the United States are often set up like this, right? You'll see it, you've seen it. You get saved, you get dunked in water, then you sit on your blessed assurances, (laughs) on a bunch of padded pews, going to a bunch of potluck dinners, waiting for the rapture bus to swoop down and pick us all up. And in the meantime, we watch all the professional Christians do the ministry. Now, who's the professional Christians? The church staff, right? Because they get paid to do that. And if they do ministry in a way we don't like, then we write them a little email in Jesus' name. Have you ever done that before? (laughs) Pastor, have you ever gotten one of those before? But that's not the New Testament church. According to Ephesians chapter four, watch this. Our leaders are here to, watch this, to equip the saints for what? Ministry. And who are the saints? It's not a football team in New Orleans. It's not somebody in an old painting with a halo around their head. It's you, you're a saint. You're gonna help me preach that this morning. Turn to your neighbor and go, what's up, saint? Ask them that. You're a saint. That means this, if you're a saint, You are called to ministry. Our leaders are here to equip the saints for ministry. Why? Because you're called to ministry. So real quick, for time's sake, because we need to move on. You say, well, Shane, what's my ministry? If I'm a missionary, what's my mission field? I want everybody to look down at your two feet right now. Put both your feet on the ground. I want you to look down at your two feet. Do you see that ground between your two feet? That ground between your two feet at any point of the day is your mission field. That's your ministry. So it changes the way you see everything. Students, I love we have teenagers in here. I love your teenagers. I got to spend the summer with them. Listen, students, school is more than a prison. Amen, all right? It is a mission field. You are a missionary. How many of you go to school with people that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior? That's your mission field. That's what God's called you to. And you know why I love your students? You know why I love students this generation? We tell them all the time they're the future of the church. And I know what we mean by that. But I want you to hear me clearly. According to the New Testament, if they have been bought with the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of them, hear me. They are not the future of the church. They are the church right now. They have a calling now, you have a ministry now, you have a mission field now. What about your job? Listen, your job is more than a place to make a paycheck. It's your mission field. God sent you there. Your neighborhood. Let me ask you, does everyone that live in Euless, Texas, are they all Christians? They may think they are because they live in Texas, right? God, country, and guns, but lost. That's your mission field, your neighborhood. This state, do you know there's 18 million lost people in the state of Texas? If they created their own state, they'd be the fifth largest state in the nation. The Bible Belt has busted with lostness. What about this nation? Does our nation need a revival? God's called you to be a missionary here. And then the nations, Psalm 96, three. So we declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. We are called to that. What about your family? How many of you have family members that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Did you know they're your ministry? They're your mission? How many of you agree sometimes our family is the most difficult to minister to? Cause they'd be honest with like, well, they got the same last name as me and I don't even like them very much, right? Think about it, because every family has at least one weirdo in it. Right now, I want you to think of who the one weirdo is in your family, a cousin or uncle. If you can't think of anybody, you're the one, all right? <laughs> but here's the deal, is that God has called us to this. So number one, he's given you a ministry. Number two, write this down, he's given you a message. So number one, he's given you a ministry, Number two, he's giving you a message. Look at verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us. Turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, that also means you. Entrusting to us, and I love the ESV version, you'll see it on the screen. Entrusting to us, what first Ulysses? The message of reconciliation. So number two, God's giving you a message. And what is that message? It's the gospel. That God created us, sin separated us. But 2,000 years ago, hear me, Jesus Christ, the Son of God who has always existed, watch this, took a mission trip from heaven to planet Earth and became a man to die as a man for mankind, but never stopped being God. He lived a perfect life that you and I could not live. Jesus, or God says this, John three sixteen. what is it? That God so loved the world, that he gave his what? Only begotten son, and his name is Buddha, huh? No, and his name is what? Mohammed, no, what is his name? Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but what, have eternal life. That Jesus took our place on the cross as the perfect sacrifice. He died there. They took his lifeless body off the cross and put it in a borrowed grave. At First Ulysses, you know why they put the body of Jesus in a borrowed grave? Because he wasn't going to stay there long, baby. Because three days later, he did what Buddha did not do. He did what Muhammad did not do. Jesus busted out of the grave, showed himself for 40 days, ascended into heaven, sat down at the right hand of the Father, why did Jesus sit down? Because he sat down as King of kings and Lord of lords. He did not sit down because he needed at a Starbucks break. He sat down because three very important words he said on the cross. What is it first? You listen, it is what? Finished, he made the way possible to know God again. And when the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of us, gives us hope, peace, joy, love, forgiveness, everything changes. How many of you are so glad someone shared that message with you? Raise your hand. Hear me, church, you can't be selfish with it anymore. You must give it away. And First Eulish, you have one of the most evangelistic pastors in the entire nation, and you have awesome training through One Conversation And Can We Talk. We are without excuse. You have something for you Texas that Walmart can't provide, the live transformation of Jesus Christ. You are so important that God wants to reach this community and God wants to reach this nation and God wants to reach the nations. And his plan A for doing that is he's given his church the message of hope and that's you. And there's no backup plan. We get to be a part of that, but isn't it sad? that most Christians are better at sharing the flu with people than they are sharing the gospel with people, and we get to do this. What an honor it is. I'm gonna tell you a story that's embarrassing. Just be transparent with you. I didn't become a Christian until I was 21, and uh, the year before moving up to Dallas to go to school, I worked in a warehouse for an entire year, and I worked next to a guy named Brandon. And in my mind, I thought I was being a good missionary. I thought I was being a good witness because I'd wear all these t-shirts with Jesus' face on them. I'd wear all these Christian wristbands. I'd listen to worship music in my cubicle. And in my mind, I thought I'm being a good missionary, a good witness to Brandon, but here's the problem is I never opened my mouth about the message. But what was sad about that is every day we would take our breaks together and we would take lunch together and watch this church. I had a lot to say about a bunch of stuff that didn't even matter. I had a lot to say about sports. I had a lot to say about cars. Had a lot to say about music. Had a lot to say about movies. I had a lot to say about girls. We were both single at the time. I had a lot to say about a bunch of stuff that didn't even matter, but I had nothing to say about the only thing that mattered, Jesus. And for an entire year I did that. Well, one Monday morning, eight o'clock, he goes and punches in. He comes to my cubicle early in the morning, he looks at me with a big cheesy smile on his face and he goes, hey Shane, aren't you a Christian? Isn't it sad he had to ask me that after a year? He goes, aren't you a Christian? And I go, yeah, man, I am. And he goes, oh, well, check this out. Yesterday, I went to church to watch my nephew get baptized and while I was there, I heard about Jesus, his life, death, burial, resurrection. I heard about if I surrender my life to Jesus, then God comes and makes this home inside of me and I can have eternal life. And he goes, so yesterday, Shane, I surrendered to Jesus. I'm now a Christian. Isn't that awesome? And I looked at him and go, that is awesome. And he was a little short guy, so I gave him a big bear hug, picked him up, turned him back and forth, his little legs were like, doo-doo-doo, and I set him down. And I go, that is awesome, man. That means we're brothers in Christ. That means you gotta put up with me for all eternity. And I went to give him another hug. In church, he shoved me back. He got real serious look on his face. He began to get tears in his eyes and he goes, Shane, you know what else I heard yesterday? I go, what's that man? He goes, I also heard that if I spend my whole life without surrendering to Jesus, without the Holy Spirit in me and if I die that way, then I spend an, an eternity separated from God in a literal place called hell and then he looks at me and he goes this, Do you believe that? Church, I knew what he was getting at. Felt like somebody had punched me in the gut. I looked at him and I go, man, yeah. You know, I believe the Bible, I believe the Bible teaches that, so yeah, man, I believe that. And I'll never forget what he said next. Literally with tears streaming down his face now and his lips quivering, he puts his finger in my face and he said this, did you not care enough about me to tell me that? Oh, first, Euless, what do you say? Because any excuse that comes to mind is for selfish reasons. Can we be honest about that? Because what, what do I say? Oh man, I didn't want you to think differently of me. I didn't want you to be offended by Me, I don't want you to make fun of me. I don't want you to look at me as a weirdo. So we have to ask ourselves, church, do we even care? Do we believe hell is for real? See, several years ago, a a young 10-year-old boy wrote a book, Heaven is for Real. Do you remember that book? And I don't know about you, I didn't need a 10-year-old boy to tell me that because the Word of God tells me that. And yes, heaven is for real, but so is hell. And our loved ones, our friends, our classmates, our people we work with, our family, our neighbors, our nation, the nations, if they draw their last breath without knowing King Jesus, they will end up in a literal place called hell. Do we believe that and do we care? And if the answer is yes, then how do we not tell the world about how great our King Jesus is? You're like, man, Shane, that's heavy. It is, but here's the good news, is that we don't have to do it alone. We don't have to do it by our own power. See, God's given us a ministry. God's called us to proclaim a message, but number three, he gives you this, and it's our last point. You know what it means when a preacher says he's almost done? Not much, but we're almost done, all right? Number three, write this down, he's given you a means. Now, don't be mean, he's given you a means. He's given you a ministry, He's given you a message. Number three, he's given you a means. Look at verse 20, I love verse 20. It says, therefore, well what is the therefore therefore? Because he's given us a ministry, and because he's given us a message, he's also given us a means. Look at this, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. What is an ambassador? If you're a Christian, you are an ambassador. An ambassador is this. An ambassador is a citizen of a country. And that person is sent by their king to live in a foreign land. And while they're there in that foreign land, they are there to represent their home country and their home king. You know, There's a lot of talk right now about citizenship. So hear me, yes, we are citizens of the United States, or we are citizens of another country, but if you have been bought by the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, your primary citizenship is not here. Your primary citizenship is the kingdom of God and your primary leader has a name, and his name is Jesus. So as you are passing through this foreign land, you are here to represent the kingdom of God, and you are here to represent your king, and your king has a name. And what is that name, First Ulysses? Jesus. That's what we are called to. So we are called to do this in our ministry and with the message, but here's the good news. If you have a pen out, If you have a highlighter out or lipstick or eyeliner, whatever you got out, I want you to underline this next part here. It's also on the screens. Here is the good news. Here is our means, look at this. God making his appeal through us. Do you see that? Let me read it again. God making his appeal through us. Can we read it together first? You listen, let's read it like we mean it. On three, let's read it together. One, two, three. making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. The Holy Spirit of God inside of us is our means. That God's gonna make his appeal through us. See, it means this, we are called to ministry. We are called to missions. We are called to proclaim a message. But God is our means and God is going to minister through us God is gonna be a missionary through us. God is gonna proclaim a message through us. God is doing the work. God's doing the work. And we are tools in the hands of God. God's doing the work, we are the tools. See, when the next generation calls you a tool, that's not a good thing, is it? But in the kingdom of God, it's a great thing to be a tool. So I want you to encourage one another with that this morning. Turn to your neighbor and go, you are such a tool. Tell them that. You are a tool, and it's a good thing. And real quick, yeah, that's goofy, but here's the good thing. You know what's awesome about being a tool? Is when Jesus was here, what was his occupation? A carpenter, so that means Jesus being a carpenter means this, he knows what to do with a bunch of tools for the glory of our great God. That's a reason to get out of bed in the morning. He is our means, he's gonna minister through us, he's gonna proclaim a message through us, he is our means. It's like this, how many of you are movie fans? Any movie fans in here? All right, I travel a lot, so Netflix has become a dear friend of mine. And I always have a top five favorite list of movies that's ever changing. So I'm gonna share with you my top five favorite movies real quick, all right? Now, some of them are oldies but goodies. Like number one, I grew up in the country, so number one favorite movie of all time is still the movie Tombstone. You ever seen that, all right? All right, number two, is the movie uh, Gladiator. You ever seen that, all right? All right, number three is the movie Braveheart, all right? Number four is the movie Remember the Titans, all right? As you can tell, I love man movies, man movies. That's why number five is the movie The Notebook. No, I'm just kidding, all right? Number five favorite movie of all time. Now, don't judge me. Uh, One thing I didn't tell you about me is I have five kids that are 12 and under. That's a prayer request, all right? But here's my number five favorite movie of all time is this movie here. Have you ever seen this movie? All right. Now, what movie is this? Lion King. Now, remember at the beginning of Lion King, there's the dad lion, what's his name? Mufasa. And they're on top of Pride Rock, and he's got his son with him. And what's his son's name? Simba. And he looks down at Simba, and with almost like the voice of God, he says, Simba, everywhere the light touches is our kingdom. But out there in the land of the shadows, don't go there. That's the enemy's territory. Because there was an enemy named Scar. And Scar had these little workers. Who are they? The three hyenas. But here's the problem is that Simba has a little girly friend. And here's my version. One day, Simba goes to Nala, and he says, say, boo. (laughs) She's like, what's up, stud muffin? And he goes, do you wanna go to the land of the shadows? She's like, "Uh uh-uh, we're not supposed to go there. And he goes, girl, I got you. I'm a cub, stud. (laughs) And she's like, okay, you're so dreamy. And then they go to the land of the shadows, and then here comes the enemy, the hyenas. Do you remember this? And the enemy is chasing Simba and Nala, and they're running, and they're tripping. They're falling over elephant bones, and they get backed into a corner, and the enemy surrounds them. And here Simba says, here's my chance to show off in front of Nala. So he takes his little paw, and he scoots Nala behind him, and he looks in the face of the enemy, and he goes, do you remember that? And what did the enemy do? Laughed in his face. And then he gathers himself to roar again, and he goes, ah, ah. and then he goes to roar, but right before he roars, there's this other roar that's like roar, and the enemy flies backwards and does backwards somersaults. Do you remember that? Now, was it Simba who roared? No, who was it? The Lion King, Mufasa, and the enemy flies backwards, and he pounces on the enemy, and he says, did you know this was my son? And they were like, uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh. And the third one's like, uh-huh. Do you remember that? Now, here's the point, first list as we close. Real cheesy, but nevertheless true. May you never forget this. We have a Lion King. The Bible calls Jesus the Lion of Judah and the King of Kings. We have a Lion King, and our Lion King has a name, and that name is what? Jesus. But here's the deal: is our Lion King doesn't tell us what Mufasa told Simba. See, Mufasa told Simba, hey, stay right here where it's safe. Stay right here where it's known. See, our Lion King doesn't say that because we have an enemy, his name's not Scar, his name's Satan, he's out to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's not after the world, he already has them. He hates what God loves, you and I. You know what the enemy's not terrified of? Hear me, we're almost done. You know what the enemy's not terrified of? He's not terrified of a bunch of saints sitting in a building, soaking up air conditioning, griping and complaining about the world. Don't, we're all good at that, I'm the chief of sinners. They're not going, ah, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. The enemy's not terrified of a bunch of holy saints gathering in a building just complaining about the world. But you know what he's mortified of? He is mortified of the people of God realizing they have a ministry and a message and they have a means, the power of God. He is mortified of the people of God going outside the walls of a building with the power of God, telling the world about the greatness of our God. He is terrified of that. See, our Lion King doesn't say, hey, let's gather where it's safe. Our Lion King says the exact opposite. He gives us the Great Commission. At the end of Matthew 28, what is the Great Commission? He says, go, go and charge the darkness. Go and make disciples of what? All nations, go, go. He says, go into your schools, go into your ministries, go into your jobs, go into your families, go into your neighborhoods, go into the nation, go to the nations. But see, here's the good news about our Lion King. He didn't say, hey, go and good luck to you." See, our Lion King gives us a great promise at the end of the Great Commission, I love this. What does he say? And know that I am with you sometimes. And know that I am with you what? Always. And church, this is where I try not to get emotional. I don't want you to see a grown man cry this morning. But it's like our Lion King says this. Go into your school. Go into your neighborhood. Go into your families. Go into your job. Go into the nation. Go into the nations and know this. I am going with you and I'm gonna roar through you. I'm gonna push back the darkness through you. I'm gonna minister through you. I'm gonna proclaim a message through you because I am your means. Our Lion King says, go, and I'm going with you, and we get to say yes and amen. That, my friends, is a reason to get out of bed in the mornings, amen? You ever wake up instead of saying, good morning, Lord, you say, good Lord, it's morning, and you don't wanna get out of bed? That's a reason to get out of bed. We are here to know Jesus. We are here to make Jesus known. The theme of today is Psalm 96.3, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples, and we get to do that. i close with this, turn to your table of contents as the band comes back up. You go, well, that's a little weird. You can tell I'm weird, we'll be weird together this morning. We are called to do this, every single one of us. That our ministries are about Jesus. Our message is about Jesus. Our means is Jesus. Everything in our life must point to Jesus. And if everything in your life doesn't point to Jesus, you're missing the purpose of your existence. I want you to turn to the table of contents. Table of contents is 66 books that make up the Word of God. Do you believe this is the Word of God? Right there you see, 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books, 66 books in all, and they all point to the greatness of Jesus. Does your life point to the greatness of Jesus? Would you follow along with me? 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament, 66 books in all, and they all point to the greatness of Jesus. In Genesis, he's the breath of life. In Exodus, the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's Moses' voice. In Joshua, salvation's choice. In Judges, the lawgiver. In Ruth, the kinsman redeemer. In 1st and 2nd Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In 1st and 2nd Kings first and 1st and 2nd Chronicles, he is sovereign. In Ezra, the true and faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's a rebuilder of broken walls and lives. In Esther, he's Mordecai's courage. In Job, the timeless redeemer. In Psalms, he's our morning song. In Proverbs, he's wisdom's cry. In Ecclesiastes, he's the time and season. In the Song of Solomon, he's the lover's dream. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, he's the cry for Israel. In Ezekiel, he's the call from sin. In Daniel, the stranger in the fire. In Hosea, he's forever faithful. In Joel, he's the spirit's power. In Amos, he's the arms that carry us. In Obadiah, he is the Lord, our savior. In Jonah, he's the great missionary. In Micah, the promise of peace. In Nahum, he is our strength and our shield. In Habakkuk, and Zephaniah, he's pleading for revival. In Haggai, he restores a lost heritage. In Zechariah, He is our fountain. In Malachi, he's the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he is God, man, Messiah. In the book of Acts, his spirit is the fire from heaven. In Romans, he's the grace of God. In 1st and 2nd Corinthians, he's the power of love. In Galatians, he is freedom from the curse of sin. In Ephesians, he's our glorious treasure. In Philippians, he's the servant's heart. In Colossians, he's the second person of the Godhead Trinity. In 1st Thessalon- in and 2nd Thessalonians, he is our coming king. In 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus and Philemon, he is our mediator and our faithful pastor. In Hebrews, he's the everlasting covenant. In James, he's the one who heals the sick. In 1st and 2nd Peter, he is our shepherd. In 1st, 2nd, 3rd John Anne, and in Jude, he is the lover coming for his bride. And first Ulysses, in the book of Revelation, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is, he is, he is the Prince of Peace, the Son of Man, the Lamb of God. He is the Great I Am, he is Alpha, he is Omega, he is God, he is Savior, he is Lord, he is King, and he is better than anything the world has to offer. Listen, church, our hope has a name, our peace has a name, Our love has a name, our joy has a name, our life has a name, our mission has a name, our ministry has a name, our message has a name, and our means has a name, and that name is what? Jesus, do you know Jesus, and do you make him known? That is why we are here, amen and amen. So church, this is what we're asking you to today. As Gloria has already mentioned, we want you to pull out this card, and get your phone that's already out. Maybe this is what we'll do today, is we're all called to this. So if you're here today, you say, man, I am a Christian, then you're called to this and find out what the next steps are. This doesn't mean you're signing up for a trip. This just means you're finding out how to be involved. And so would you text missions to 63566. Say, how am I involved? What are my next steps? If you don't have a smartphone, if you're still rocking the cool flip phone, hey, that's okay. You can fill out this card and turn it in at the back at the missions table. Find out what your next steps are. Let us pray about it. I'm gonna ask our counselors to come forward. And I wanna ask everyone this. Maybe you're here this morning, and you say, Shane, I don't know Jesus, so I can't tell people about someone I don't know. Maybe you're here today and you go, Shane, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not. Let me ask you this. How can the Holy Spirit of God live inside of you and you not know if you're saved or not? Maybe today is the day that you would surrender all to Jesus. And if that's your prayer, then I wanna ask you to confess this with me. Listen, there's no magic in a prayer. What I'm asking you to do is to believe the Bible. Romans 10:9 says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is God and you confess that he overcame the grave, that you'll be saved, I'm just asking you to believe. So if you're here today and you say, Shane, I wanna know for sure. I wanna know this Jesus. I wanna ask you to just confess with me. Maybe you confess something simple as this, just say, God, Thank you for creating me, but sin has separated me. But I thank you for Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection. Today I'm surrendering all to him. God, would you come and live inside of me? Forgive me of sin. Give me a reason to get out of bed. God, I wanna live for you. Thank you for saving me. But never head bow, never eye closed. No one looking around. If you're here this morning, and you confess that with me, or you know you need to, would you just look up, and by doing that, you say, Shane, that's me, I confess that with you. If you're looking up at me right now, I wanna tell you, that's awesome. There are men and women here who wanna talk to you and pray with you, so we're not gonna do anything to embarrass you, we're not gonna ask you to dress the crowd. If you're looking up at me right now, while everyone else has their head bowed and their eyes closed, if you're looking up at me right now, or you know you need to, I want you to just stand up right where you're at. We're not gonna do anything to embarrass you. We're not gonna ask you just stand up. By doing that, you're saying, Shane, I confess that with you. I see you, my brother. Keep standing. Somebody else. I see you, my brother. It's somebody else. Say, I confess that with you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Listen, if you're standing up even in the top there, if you're standing up with no one else looking around, would you just come stand by somebody up here? Just come on. Just begin to make your way down. Several of you. Come on. Come on. Just come stand by somebody up here. You're standing up, say, Shane, I confess that, or I know I need to. How many of you this morning say this, Shane? I know without a doubt I'm a Christian. I know without a doubt I have the Holy Spirit of God inside of me, but I've been distracted, and today I'm reminded of how to use my life. And so today I wanna recommit my life to Jesus. If that's you today, you say, Shane, I'm a Christian, but I need to recommit my life to Jesus and be on mission with Him. If that's you, would you look up and meet eyes with me? And if that's you, and you're looking up at me right now, right where you're at, would you just stand up? And by doing that, you're saying, Shane, I'm recommitting my life to Jesus. I know I'm a Christian, but I need to get back on track to what He's called me to. If that's you, would you just stand up right where you're at? Awesome. Here's what we're gonna do. As they're coming, we want you right where you are to take time to pray for those who have come, and we also want you to begin to pray for someone who is lost. Right now, someone you can think of who is lost that doesn't know Jesus, begin to pray for them by name. Begin to pray for your city. Begin to pray for your nation. Pick another nation that you pray for and just ask God, God, what would you have me do? Hear me, here's the deal, is your yes must be on the table. The moment you said yes to Jesus and salvation is the only answer you can ever give him again. So you've already said yes. So ask him how you'll be used. Just a minute, I'm gonna pray and say amen. The moment I do, you stand, the altar's open, you wanna come and pray. If you need to make a decision this morning, you come as others have already come. God, you're good, you're good all the time. God, I pray that we would respond to what you've called us to. The first step is obedience, so may we be obedient. May everything we say and do be about your name, your fame, your glory, because you deserve that. We pray this through the precious name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the church of God said, amen. Amen. Would you stand and give glory to God this morning, amen. (laughs)